I'm James. I'm 17. And I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath. Osiris. Mind-bending film and television podcast you didn't know you needed. I am one of your hosts, Michael Shields, and today we're here to talk about a fascinating series you can find on Netflix entitled The End of the Fucking World. It's a dark comedy slash drama series based on the Charles Forsman graphic novel, which follows two 17-year-old outsiders, James and Alyssa, who embark on a road trip together. James believes himself to be a psychopath, and Alyssa is a rebellious classmate who sees in James a chance to escape her tumultuous home life. To delve into the two excellent seasons of The End of the Fucking World, we have a returning guest that Welcome to the Party Pal fans will remember from the famed Bill Paxton episode. He is host of the podcast Broke Down Podcast and one of the hosts of the Help and Friendly Podcast, both on the Osiris Network, the one and only Jonathan Hart. Welcome back, Jonathan. Uh, thrilled and honored to have you back on the podcast. Welcome to the party. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad. Um, I'm, I'm glad I could talk you into watching this, and even more so that you you dug it and uh, that we're able to sit here and talk about it. That's what I was. Gonna, I was going to start with. I was going to start with two thank yous. First, thank you for uh, your continued work and uh, broke down podcast. I, I just it's truly one of my favorite podcasts. Um, on Osiris and which is saying a lot and also generally I just I love what you're doing there and then thank you for steering me towards uh this show it's really um for some reason it was sliding under my radar and you wouldn't let that happen and I appreciate it well there's there's so much content it's easy to miss stuff that's the and, thing uh, and 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 that for, with that in mind I want to thank you for actually taking the time to listen to the Brooktown podcast because um you know, it's it's fun to do, and I you know I really like your show. Although I'll admit I don't listen to all of them because I haven't seen the things That's the and thing. I want yeah. to maybe you mm-hmm. know. But I I really got a kick out of your episode on the Irishman because I was lucky enough to see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm assuming so a lot of people about a week after your episode dropped. Yep. got into it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That was, you, did you enjoy it? Not I me, mean, but not, oh my god, uh, yes. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. wonderful. Really, there was a lot going on. It was one of you know. I was going in, I'm like, are they going to hold my attention for the length of this film? And the answer was yes. 
I settled down with a big bag of chocolate popcorn. <laughs> um, I saw it at the Cinerama in Seattle. Oh, cool. Maybe Seattle people know that place. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, it was, blew me away. That's awesome. So today, uh, today we're talking, <clears throat> excuse me, today we're talking the end of the fucking world. And uh, I'd like to discuss a little bit about the, the appeal of it first off and what, um, you know what? You were captivated enough to reach out, and 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 what it, what was it that drew you in so so um, you know effectively? Okay, so the show is. I don't know that it. I, I don't know that you would look at it from the distance and say, "Well, this is for me, a mid forties guy," you know. But because it, it's about young people who are extraordinarily disaffected and damaged, and and yet. There's this real heart to it, and it's easy to digest. It's, it's you know, short seasons, eight or nine episodes, and they're short episodes, you know, under 30 minutes or so each time. And so it's, it's real easy to take in this horrible shit that goes down in a couple of these, some of these episodes and just with these people, but you can then pull away, catch your breath, get another one in um and yeah just i think a co-worker pointed it out to me who was even less likely to watch a show about young you know about teenagers or whatever and a, a thing like this but he said this is really good so I, I put it on and oh my gosh so the first season blew me away and then we just recently got a whole second season that i didn't see coming at all mm-hmm. um because the first season which we should get into that, how that lays out. You know, it just felt complete. And then the second season built nicely on that. It didn't feel tacked on or gratuitous or mm-hmm. money grab kind of second season like some programs can. Uh, you just, you care about these characters. You can laugh and with them and and at them and feel their pain and really empathize with people who are, these people who are just horribly messed up yeah yeah no i did uh, i like a couple of things that you said there first off you know you the the word of mouth uh, about it it's it's fun to see how a show can kind of become a success you, i mean someone put you onto it you put me onto it i always think that's fun but um you know you're kind of speaking to the uh the honesty of the show like a lot of the torment in there and i just I, this is i mean the things that i was really taken by is yes i am with you then that this might be a show that I might not be drawn to, even though I do love a coming of age story and uh, have, um, you know, throughout time. But uh, I feel like this is an adult show for teenagers. I mean, these these kids aren't really just precocious, but I mean, the whole the whole thing feels grown in a lot of ways. And it's honest, like I was just saying, to to kind of like the the torment um, we go through, many go through and, and just that's inside of us. And I mean, also just beyond that. Um, some of the depth. I mean, it's wonderfully stylized. The the dual perspectives that they they use, you know, so you you know exactly what's going on in each of the main characters' uh, heads as, as things are happening. It's absolutely fascinating, and it just it also has um, kind of a lot of nods to a lot of uh, uh, you know films and filmmakers throughout times. You know, it could be at times it's David Lynchian, you know, meets Tarantino. There's like killing Eve vibes. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde vibes. Uh, I saw even someone mentioned that, um, you know, it's got a touch of, uh, 
Ferris Bueller's Day Off thrown in there as well. So there's like a lot that's, that that to you know grab onto and and enjoy in like these terse episodes as you were describing. Yeah, I mean these kids. I think that a, a lot of people spend their time kind of at least part of their time feeling like there's a, there's an existential dread blanketed over them, and you know what I. I tweeted about this the other day. It was last week. I said, "Is anybody else watched the end of the effing world?" Mm-hmm. Because I really want to talk about it. <laughs> and I, about half the responses were sincere. Well, all the responses were pretty sincere. Yeah. Um, and they were either, "Yeah, that show's great," or, "No, man, I'm so sick of the news." <laughs> Which, and they were sincerely thinking I was just talking about making a joke you know, the with, impeachment hearings yeah. or something. I was the, like, oh, I'm the nightmare that is this administration, yeah. Yeah, and you know, a, a thing that you, I thought you were going to mention as you're talking about the the style of the show, mm-hmm. um, I will reinforce your comment about the shifting narrative yeah. and, you know, getting into, you know, it's voiceover and voiceover can be ter- terrible. voiceover can really kill a show and some writers uh, have referred to use of voiceover in film and television as a crutch as a mark of bad storytelling Mm -hmm. here it works well it may be because it comes from graphic novel source material that i have not read Mm -hmm. i have not uh, either but you know the other thing that i think is really outstanding in this show that makes it work so well is the music. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. Um, Matt Biffa, mm-hmm. I hope I pronounced it right. I think uh, he he's did. He's done a few shows that I've watched, uh, Sex Education and Dirk Gently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does great work on this thing. He leans a lot on Graham Coxon, who's from Blur, yeah. but then digs deep into kind of UK and European folk and mm-hmm. other things that just, they work so well. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's um, it was that was exactly I was going to before we get into the seasons, I was going to I was going to bring up. We should really talk about the real star of the show, which is Graham Coxing and the the music. I mean, it's um, it is something that Jonathan Entwistle um, and and the writer of the graphic novel, uh, Charles Forsman, have thought about for years leading up to it. They what they did was they made a playlist featuring hundreds and hundreds of songs um, that they felt paired well with the story. And, oh, wow. um, and then so they said once we, they shot the show, they started to craft it after it was shot as they're editing it. They started to craft around that playlist, and they realized they could actually, and you'll know exactly what I mean or anyone who's seen it, they could really could be on the nose with music cues, meaning what you know Graham was singing about or any of the music was alluding to was actually something that was fairly literal in a lot of ways. Not only does it work sonically, um, and, um, you, you know, Graham Coxing was actually doing the score, writing an album, uh, you know, on, on the show. I mean, he was writing four to five songs a day as they were crafting this whole thing. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. Yes. The music is just one of the most appealing aspects to me as well. Yeah. And I would buy a triple LP or whatever they need to <laughs> yes. put out uh, of this just, I wouldn't play it every day yeah. but because it might put me in some interesting moods, but I would like a compilation of this. And I, yeah. I don't say that about a lot of things. There's um, He hasn't put out too yes. much, but there's a great Spotify playlist that he's he's been curating. Um, so I've never Shazammed wow. so much in my life. Are you not a Spotify person? <laughs> I, I, no, I, heard, I, 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 I heard a groan. 
Yeah, I don't Spotify, but I do yep. use uh, this site called TuneFind. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I think there's another one that's great for getting uh, the playlist of the, the music in a show or a film. So Yeah, I've I never... Sh- that to- I've never Shazammed uh, so much in my life. And, um, and the thing, just because I was like, when I'm hearing song, I didn't know. I'm like, I need to know that right now. But um, Entwistle, the, 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 basically the showrunner, he says that, uh, he says that I wasn't alone. Like, I, it, it wasn't just me. Um, Data was showing him that people were like Shazamming like crazy while they were watching the show because he was able to get all the data because it sometimes comes up with the show title. And the whole thing. So, I mean, people were doing the same thing, and it, it was definitely a wide appeal for everyone, these tunes. Yeah, that was uh, among the responses that were actually about the show from my, my tweet last week were many comments about the music, including people who were, you know, very uh, music industry-oriented. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was cool to see that I'm, I'm not alone, and thank you for <laughs> triple reinforcing it was, right it was, it was the It's the best. It's really incredible. So... Let's dig a little into the the story, starting with season one, and uh, and while we're doing it, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be discussing the themes that pop up. But what's uh, I knew you, Jonathan Hart, had me, and I was just all in when the uh, the show starts, and the first line is, "I'm James, I'm 17, and I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath." I mean, that hits like a I got you know punch to the face. That's a, that's an incredible way to start a show. Yeah, they're not they're not easing in. They're, just, they're going right for it, and and it's it's for real. It's like, you know, he's he, he sees in himself, and they demonstrated on the show in that first episode all of the like key, almost uh, cliche traits of uh, a psychopath. You know, he puts his hand in the deep fryer to to feel something, uh, giving him the signature burn on his hand that is you know in the rest of the show he um they didn't just kill animals but then they show this little montage as all the animals are laid out in an orderly fashion on a on a floor or something or a table uh it's just perfectly kind of dispassionate and it's a fascinating visual representation of his uh pathology there yeah absolutely what what was getting me really early on um as well as just, uh, you know, we spoke on the voiceovers and I was finding there to be uh, profound insight in just their ruminations. Um, I think of one early on when uh, there was that kind of um, almost sex scene between her, Alyssa, and the stranger. And and she, you know, when it kind of went wrong, she was saying it, you know, it feels like sex can go from pleasure to, to punishment rather quickly. And that just kind of like this... You know, you know that made me think about because I mean that could be true in so many ways. And um, then you know she's talking later on about you don't realize the important moments in your life often while they are happening. And they do a cool like little montage scene after that. And she's like, "That was a goodbye. That was another goodbye." And just like these precocious, really insightful, just kind of like shots in the arm that just keep coming from them. And I'm like, this, there's, this might be this little tale of. you know, two runaways, but this is, this is deep. Yeah. And there's, they also use that to juxtapose things. So she says, uh, at one point, uh, but I feel comfortable with him safe. That's in her voiceover. Mm -hmm. And they cut to James sharpening his knife. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, (laughs) They play with, they play with that often. Exactly. She's like, someone's like, I love her. I'm happy. And then the other's like, yeah, I, I hate him, you know? So, 
So we told everybody, you know, James uh, believes he's a psychopath, and Alyssa is just acutely unhappy. Her worth has been uh, degraded significantly by her home life, and to and and she's just she's just mean uh, yeah. to be to be honest, because she doesn't understand what being nice is mm -hmm. really. Yep. So, you know, she walks up to James. He looks like the most interesting one in the school. And the first thing she says to him is, I see, I've seen you skating. You're pretty shit. <laughs> like, that's charming. Yeah. I am. Um, some, yeah. Sometimes, and you are absolutely dead on, like, the you know, the reasons for it and, and the way she acts. Sometimes I see it also as kind of the way, you know, many of us would if, if not for, um, you know, trying to be cordial or whatnot, you know you know, trying to, trying to be nice and, and, you know, earnestly being nice is how you would react to many in the world, you know, kind of just what you would say without any filter. If you didn't give a fuck, you know, like, uh, I, I'm, we'll stay on season one, but there's like a moment in season two that I thought about that, uh, immensely when she's on the train and the guy asks her to smile. And then he's like, also got oh, his legs yeah. wide and, and she's just, you know, she's, tells him basically to you know f off and then she's like you know you know close your legs and it's just exactly what someone would want to say like she, she's filterless right for, 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 to, for to pretty damaged reasons to, to, to a fault uh, yes exactly um you were speaking about how james did you know put his hand um in the deep fryer to to feel something um there was another scene in season one that got me too, though, and it made me think uh, about that and also how, um, you know, feeling too much was also a problem for him. He was uh, in the woods and he was, you know, he was talking about the silence in his head and how when he, there's silence there, that's when, you know, kind of the demons come up. And he mentioned how his father, um, you know, wouldn't be around. They they flashed to uh, him watching TV or being near the radio. He didn't want to be around silence because that's when the demons go. And so he, in that moment, is when he went and asked the kids to beat him up. And it was because you know, he, I guess that's you could yeah. look at it as some sort of pain replacement or something like that. But it was it was interesting to think about. You know, he didn't feel anything, and also feeling too much is an issue. Yeah, and you know, and let's talking about James's father. I had this this uh, great quote from him. And he was, he's full of uh, humorous lines. He's so sincere. And talking about the first season in particular. So you sure. see James's father is, is really a good guy. It just James can't connect with him mm -hmm. after, after his trauma. And, you know, his father is, gives him this terrible piece of advice at one point about relationships, about sex. And he says, it's difficult for the man and, you know, this is where James is thinking about how he's not really able to, he's not really interested in sex. And his father says to him, it's difficult for the man. A woman can just lie back and think of England. Men, we have to be England. And I think, to, to my, my thought, my voiceover in that moment when he says that is, no wonder his wife was unhappy. Yeah, yeah exactly. If that's how fatal it is. No, that was funny. And I, I mean, we, yeah, I'm sure we will get to it. Um, the show, I don't think we mentioned it much. Right? It's really funny too. It's 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 it's. I mean, it to me, it's 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 like a it's so defining of what a black comedy can be. I mean, you feel bad laughing at times, and just it just it, it's such an odd humor. And you just you know mentioned one that really really worked. Um, yeah, season one. Let me think. Oh, season one was pretty great because of um, 
I mean, the, uh, the, the two detectives and one, um, uh, Yara Greyjoy showed up, played, um, she's, that's the character in Game of Thrones, but I loved right. her character. She's, that's played by, um, Gemma Elizabeth, um, Whelan, I believe. And, uh, I think she, her role was really pivotal to season one. And I think it was just her empath- empathy for the situation. I mean, she realized, uh, she realized pretty quickly that, um, that those the kids were having a hard time in the world, not out to give the world a hard time, and I, I think that was really important to the um, the arc of season one and everything that happened. Yeah, I think that's really well said. She is, she's all of us watching yes. all of this happen. You know, mm-hmm. it's unfolding for her kind of just a little after it unfolds for us, because of course we're we're omniscient, we're sitting there watching the uh, crimes, but. You know, she's looking at it and has a sympathetic eye. And then the contrast of her partner with whom she, it's interesting, you know, we, we come into that like a moment after their, we come into, we meet them a moment after their, uh, they almost deeply connect, you know, yeah. they've, they've just hooked up or something mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they pull back and, and you know, what, what was that? I don't remember the detective's name played by Yara. I, I, I wish I wrote it down. I don't, I don't remember any, she, anything. I was, call, I was just calling her Yara the whole time. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, and she's, she, she's trying to connect again with her partner uh, emotionally, but the mm-hmm. reality is they're so different. Um, yep. And they see their jobs differently. They see the subjects of their investigations differently. And, and it is this case that makes that clear to her as she runs in with empathy and the other is just like, well, you know, if we wait a day, he'll be 18 and we can try him as an adult, you know? Yeah. Like, God, that's so cold. It's so, <laughs> so cold. It's, it's You nailed it. They, I mean, how different they were. And yeah, the, uh, it, it was getting a little awkward between the two as, as they were on, on their hunt. Um, but you also nailed it saying that, yeah, she was us watching them realizing what they went through and as she pieced it together, she just realized that, that, you know, they weren't out. They I mean, first off, they weren't killers. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's what's also interesting about James, too. And um, I, I think because we did mention the first line where he says he's a sociopath. And but as you go along, I mean, he was he was just trying to find a way to deal with his trauma. And, I you know, I, I, I guess... He, the way I see it is he replaced that, you know, whatever pain that was with whatever he was going to try to do and, you know, become a mass murderer or whatever he was going that way. But then when he found Alyssa, he found another way to replace that, that, that pain. And that was with love. Right. He found somebody who was interested in him. Like, like his father, there was too much of a gap like an emotional gap, mm-hmm. a like horror gap because of their the, the, their proximity to the same horrible event, um, and his father that his father really couldn't understand in James. And James certainly couldn't believe his father could understand it. But here he had Alyssa, who didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> like she just saw James for who she thought James was, and he's seeing like, wow, she wants to be around me. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I'll kill her later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then he, he starts to realize that, you know, there's that 
point uh, right before he goes and gets himself beat up where he realizes that he's come to want her around mm-hmm. but she's she's they parted ways briefly and uh, and that's new for him and her absence makes him hurt all over and he so he goes to feel something else and he gets beat up and um, you know I think uh, you know there's this bit uh, it's before that before the uh, the pivot point in the show with the professor uh, when they're in the house, you know, they've, uh, they're dancing. Mm-hmm. And that is probably one of the most pure moments of this first season. Without a doubt. The music's on, she's dancing, James's like, I don't dance. Mm-hmm. And she's like, come on, get up and dance. Mm-hmm. We'll do it with our eyes closed. Yep. Giving him the freedom to kind of just do this thing that he would not otherwise do. And I think that's just the, the abandoned and moment of joy that I don't think other than the moment when they were laughing in the car or, you know, when they first run away, I don't think that he's ever really experienced that since he was a very small child. Yeah. I think that's really what is uh, connecting him to her. And then of course, being Alyssa, she, you know, tries to turn it into something else because she thinks that's what it ought to be, Mm -hmm. I guess. And, um, and, you know, that ruins it <laughs> yeah. for a little while. Yeah, you're right, though. They um, they always go back when uh, James, as this, you know, season one comes to a close and season two gets going, when he thinks about the happy moments, they flash back to that dancing scene and, and that other scene, too, where they first driving away together. Those, those are literally the happiest moments of his life. Yeah. Yeah, so as season one is kind of coming towards cl- his climax, um, you know, they ended up at her uh, her father's house, who is who's a very interesting character. Um, his his line, his mantra is to be mad in a deranged world isn't mad. It's uh, it's sanity, um, <laughs> which in some ways I get. But in his case, he's obviously using um, that as an excuse to just be an asshole, do what he wants. Yeah. And and it was um it was tough to watch him being so kind to her and open, knowing that that, that was just good. That was, you know, that was about, that was going to blow up in her face. Yeah. That was hard to watch because she pinned so much on that. And it was, she pinned, she pinned so much of her hope, her potential happiness on this, this unknown she had created a, her father in her head, basically, and and you knew that she had. You know, I don't know about you, but the first time I watched it, I had I had suspicions about the cards, and 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 that was right. Yep, and absolutely. It was heartbreaking to see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something I want to quickly duck back to. Uh, Please. One of the things I like about the way they've constructed this show, it happens in both seasons, is that they there are certain lines that are repeated, but they shift a little. So um, at times, one of them is pretty early in the first like half of the first season. Uh, in Alyssa's voiceover, you hear something's definitely wrong with him. So many mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it shifts. So I think I could love him, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's, they they do that with a couple other lines that I did not write in my notes, so I will mm-hmm. get them all wrong if I try to quote them. But <laughs> it's worth listening to, and if you've watched it, you know it. I know yep. you do. Uh, 
Yeah, the push and pull is the push and pull is always there with her. That she's 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 trying to figure out her relationship to James in a, in a major major way. Um, season one concludes rather brilliantly. It's really the uh, cinematically um, the story comes you know full you know full circle in a, in a, in a major way. I was um, you know I was just kind of blown away about him, about you know him running through that lake lake um, kind of barren lake bed the the gunshot um, it could have ended right there in just a beautiful one season thing. I'm glad it didn't but what a way to end I, season I had one accepted that it was done there sure um, I'll say so that's the sea that they're on right there but the yeah. tide oh, is that is way the sea okay yep. yeah yep. so that's yep. the coastal sand so the tide is just way out so that yep. bit when they come over the 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 dune to get to the boat and then they see that the tide is pulled out so far they can't even see the water because yeah. it's really probably very shallow there yep um, even at high tide um it looks like the salt that you know the salt dunes like, out 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 west like yeah just the, the the fact that it is just recessed because of the tide it's it looks it's incredible him running across it and it is yeah it's heartbreaking yeah and then it was that to me was a brilliant ending but i and i could have i could have they could have left it there forever and yeah. i would have been happy with the what is it nine episode season one and mm. and i think eight and eight i believe yeah yeah okay and then, yep. but the um and then i saw early like late this summer new season coming I'm like what how do they do that now we haven't really given a lot of spoilers here. Are we? Uh, are, are, this is normally a, a spoiler laden program. So can uh, we talk uh, about yeah, that? Uh, uh, spoilers all day. That's in that you okay. use. You know, yes. So we've been cautious about it for I don't know why, but um, yeah. So you think he's dead? Absolutely, you definitely dead. think he's dead. Yes, that, that gunshot. She the, cries the on shot, the body. The flash to black. Yep. And then, you know what? So cut to season two. Hmm. And the first episode, James isn't in that. He's not even there. Yeah. Because he's dead. Yep. But he's not. He's not. <laughs> I thought that was um, I thought that was so incredibly well played with that uh introduction to the new character, Bonnie, and just, you know, getting to know her. And you're in in, in at initially, I don't know if you had this feeling or if anyone did, I was I was thinking maybe we were being introduced to a whole new cycle, meaning like this is our new psychopath or new one of the new characters i wasn't exactly sure right. what was going on in a great way till the reveal that she had a connection to who you know the professor they killed which i i i, I was astounded by i thought that was that was a really incredible and crafty link it was outstanding yeah um, the, so bonnie is she's so broken just like mm-hmm. these others but in just very different ways yep. you know this girl was damaged by her parents and acted out and then preyed upon by this professor. And you knew from in the first season that he had clearly preyed upon others, but they didn't develop it. Yeah. They just kind of, because it wasn't important there. It was, it was. I think the only thing important about that was it, it made us all feel better about the murder of him too. Right. So, you know, right. we, we, we had less, you know, we were able to, to root for the characters a little more. It heightened the uh, the fear in the yes. at the encounter, and it it made us, you know, not hate James and Alyssa 
Exactly, uh, for that, for what they did there, yeah. Right. Uh, so flash to season two, mm-hmm. and now we get backstory on how he had, you know, we knew that he had done this, done something, uh, quite a bit to other people, but here we get a look at one of his potential victims. Yeah. Melissa says late in the season, you know, you got lucky. Mm-hmm. But she, mm-hmm. she didn't get lucky. She was just, she got to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, which maybe, you know, maybe after years of therapy in prison, <laughs> she'll feel lucky. But, um, you know, he he messed her up. Oh, surely. He laid her out. I mean, I, I don't know if it was just that Bonnie was not, um, I don't know if she was, part of me feels like she wasn't as smart as everybody played her up to be, like mm-hmm. her mother and the professor. Yeah. Uh, which made her more susceptible. Mm-hmm. Or she just was damaged by her mother, and that alone made her susceptible, looking for yeah. somebody who would be interested in her. Yeah, that's the thing I think about, and I talked about the pain replacement that was going on with James. I think there was a love replacement, and she she decided that um, that this was love, something she never had. And it's kind of one of those things, the the stories we tell ourselves to to deal with the hardships of life or to get through the day. Bo- Bonnie invented uh, a love, I believe, because she never had one. Right, and she didn't yeah. understand what it could be, what it should be, so... Mm-hmm she was able to accept what he told her it was. Yeah. What he, you know, when he, he's, I mean, he's using her. He doesn't, remember when she asks Alyssa at the end of season two. That the bedroom, you saw the bedroom? Yes. What did <laughs> yeah. it look like? Yeah. Like that, that was, line is that so like so loaded. He's so loaded. Yep. I knew, I knew exactly where you were going there. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's it's he it seems to me I'm not sure you know you you can never say I believe but I'm not sure he was going to kill her or what but he you know he was using her for some purpose maybe it was a different purpose than than he got from from his other victims but she was surely a victim of his uh, regardless living or dead he seemed, well he was a he was a true psychopath a yes. serial killer type yes. I mean you saw the closet in season one. Yep. Loaded with the duct tape and the bleach. Yeah, he was loaded <laughs> with it. Yeah, in a nice orderly, yeah. you know, array. A array. Pro. Um, yeah. yeah, he he's a pro. So yeah, he probably would have killed her. He just was, yeah. you know, was he, did, he didn't need to. He could get mm-hmm. some sort of thrill. But you notice he sent her out. He was done with her. Put her in the cab, and then he'd get out his videotape mm-hmm. and look at that for, I guess, his real thrill, yeah. follow-on thrill. Yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy, uh, man, so good riddance to that guy. Good riddance. Yeah, it was, it, it, again, the more you got to know him and, 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 you know, his sickness, the more you almost not only forgive uh, uh, James and Alyssa, but, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, they, they they provided a measure of justice to the world, you know. And, it was a, and well was portrayed a by the actor whose name yeah. I do not know. Cause, yep. But, yeah, he's, yeah, he does a great job. Uh, it's amazing that that one off to start it um, made everything. You know, you still felt in the in the world that they create the vibe and everything, but everything did feel different. And even when we get to reunite with the characters and in episode two, I mean, there's uh, one point when they do uh, reunite. I mean, James says Alyssa was different. It was like someone took out her batteries, which I thought was a great um, kind of 
description of, of the changes, but, you know, a lot of the fun of the journey with those two was obviously gone, and there was, there was going to have to be rebuilding before him. It was, it was a whole different vibe and experience happening. Right, but, you know, and they had done some... They, it, it's been two years, so I don't know if we'd said that yet, so it's been we two have not. years between the two seasons for the characters. And James has spent all this time in rehab, we learn, relearning to walk. His father has been taking parenting classes, so he's trying, working to connect with James. Um, and they establish in season one that he eats like shit, and they carry <laughs> that forward in season two, mm-hmm. and then he dies, like, boom, right yeah. before the events of season two, which, you know, James maybe. Maybe he could have moved into some sort of like quote unquote normal life, but yep. that happens, and then Bonnie gets out of jail and sends them each a message, mm-hmm. which sends all three of them into this whirlwind. I was really uh, <laughs> not taken back, or I was almost angered like that they put James through that again. I, I when the father passed. In front of him, mind you, like his mother right. killed herself in front of him. I was like, oh, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> he's really, you know, he was rebuilding, as you just mentioned. And, you know, maybe on a path to some sort of uh, happiness, normalcy, or just, you know, out of out of the, the hellscape that he was in. And then right away, they're just, nope, that's not what, that's not for James. And, you know, another parental figure and dies right in front of him. That's That's rough. Right. Meanwhile, Alyssa is just pretending to mm-hmm. get on with life. She gets engaged to some guy who's just fine. I think that, I mean, that's, that's not a quote, but I think that summarizes her feelings about him. He's exactly. Fine. He's, yeah, he's fine. He'll do. It's whatever. That's, you know, it's, it's, she wasn't exactly excited by any means, but I mean, you know, life was going on. This is where it was taking her. Her mom was staring her that way. He didn't um, judge her horribly for her yeah, past. You know? Sure. Yep. I love, um, I really respected the uh, cafe owner um, and, and her role her in this. Yeah. It, it was her aunt, yeah. And uh, I love how she was so put out by everybody in the situation, but at the same time, she was so kind. And like, it's, it's, I, well, yeah, I think when I say put out, I think of her listening to um, Alyssa's mom and just the whole thing, having James there. But then, then yeah, at the end of the day, she was, she was super, super kind. She was cool. I got a fun fact real quick for oh, a welcome to go. the party. It's a welcome to the party, pal, fun fact. In our, in our intro music, I layered in a series of uh, uh, quotes. You know, it, it, there's, there's um, John Goodman's in there from Big Lebowski. Uh, there's, you know, a Walter White. Um, from Breaking Bad, and um, there's one that a lot of people ask me that, that you know, like, who is that? And it's um, it's the character shows up in season two. He's the pharmacist in this one. Um, oh, yeah. he, he he mentions uh, he's like I'm a feminist to uh, to Bonnie at one point, and he he was kind of creepy, yeah. But uh, so he is the actor uh, Patterson Joseph, and the line that's used in the Welcome to the Party intro it's from um, it's from the show Peep Show. He plays he plays Alan Johnson in Peep Show. Have you have you seen Peep Show? I haven't seen Peep Show, but a I recognize of... him from something. He's 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 a very talented actor. He's like an English thespian. He's been on stage a whole bunch and. Uh, I can't oh, pinpoint. Who, 
I'm sure of it. And um, yeah, so Peep Show is excellent, by the way. It's super, super funny. So I think it's one of the funniest shows ever been made. But when I saw him, I was like, that's, it's, you know, and so yes, that he was, he is in our intro. But so he was another character that was introduced. And then we also come upon one other character I want to, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the, uh, the innkeeper. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What a fella. Like, he insinuates himself right into his own doom, doesn't he? Absolutely. absolutely. He backs himself into that uh, to that bullet in the brain. But, I mean, it's uh, it, they really create some really um, uh, 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 demented souls in this one. I mean, we, we, we dug in deep on The Professor. And, and this guy, I mean, you cannot have the... Full on creeps the whole time while you're uh, while you're taking in him and his methods of uh, trying to quote unquote seduce Bonnie. It's sick. Yeah, they're so like demented and everything you just said. But at the same time, they just they play naturally. They sure. seem Absolutely. real, and also they yep. they give you they they give you doubt. Like we'll talk about the innkeeper. Like it's hard to know at first uh, if he's just kind of weird and lonely because the show yeah. would give you weird and lonely it, no question. it seems like it would fit and then yeah. oh no no yeah he's definitely a creep but oh well, i guess it'll stop you oh no <laughs> <laughs> and he just carries it right to the extreme and yeah. you know bonnie's not having it um had, I, I still i guess we really need to come further back to bonnie um yeah yep i was i was they, i was they they come really close to over explaining her pathology, like in this, mm. just the one sentence, uh, you know, about which I'm, I I didn't write, so I would misquote. Maybe you've got it. The punishment uh, is how you show love, or um, it, they they almost over explain it. Is that is that so? Line. Are we talking about the scene in the cafe when they're confronting each other? Well, it's you know she first says it in her voiceover when okay. she's. When she's a little girl, yeah, and you know, interacting oh, with her mother, yes, yes, and just kind of yes. carries forward. Absolutely, punishment is you know an expression of love, and and she it, it's it's defined her horribly. Yep, yep. And it actually so, come. Oh, go on, please. So she she goes to prison mm-hmm. because she's killed a woman. Because she loves the professor, and he tells her this woman is threatening me. Yeah, and so he kills this woman, a fellow student or a student rather, uh, and just without any like compunction. Otherwise, she just like runs her down, and you can see when it happens, she calls nine nine nine, and she's freaked out by the horror of kind of what she's seeing. But it's yep. it's I'm not sure if it's because she's seeing somebody who's just been smashed by a car, or if it's because she's Oh, I just killed someone. Yeah. But then she loses the professor and she's like, all right, I know how to show I love him. I, he loved me. I love him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kill these guys. And yep. she just in, slides right into their lives for a moment. Like she lucks into James being around. Right. Yeah. And, and then she's just there. She's, but the other, the other thing that I think beautifully, you know, you watch the whole season how she's just hanging on to this idea, this plan, and it it crumbles as she crumbles. 
and at the very end there, the last definitely it it I'm it, so tired. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely this idea of punishment you're speaking of culminates in that last scene because she she says she says to them, you guys have to be punished. And right. Alyssa replies, which I just thought was outstanding. He's like, oh. she's like, we already were. Um, I'm always in that house. I am that always. Kills me. I'm always in that room, and that's he doesn't that that I mean that's, that I mean that alludes to that makes you think of even bigger things. I mean PTSD. Anyone who's been through trauma, yes, they're in that room. They're in that experience. That that hell of that moment lives within you. It's so true. Right. It's so scary. I mean, they've illustrated it with you know the the quick cut flashbacks. Um, yeah, to the scene, to it, to, it, yeah. to that from her perspective, uh, they illustrate it with James. The quick cut flashbacks to the ducks and to the you know like the view from Alyssa's perspective of of the actual killing. You know, they 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 keep us in the room too. Yes, um, they yeah they yeah, make they don't let you forget that she hasn't forgotten. Her speech there is which you quoted is is brilliant. I mean, it's yeah. so it's just so accurate and honest. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. and I don't mean brilliant like this is the most florid prose ever written for television yeah. or anything. Yeah. It's just like real, Less, that's honest ever. <laughs> words that yeah. convey something really powerful. And and then it's and, followed with Bonnie just saying then what do I do with all the pain? And to me, that's kind of the crux of what the show is. And I've mentioned the words pain replacement uh, a couple of times. Just what do we, what do we do with, with this hurt that's inside of us? And it's in, you know, and we see it a lot in James and Bonnie and what they're trying to do um, to compensate for all the pain. And, and, you know, to move a little bit towards the end here, there's the line that really gets me too. When, um, um, James and Alyssa are sitting together at the end, and um, he he says simply, uh, he doesn't say answer for what, but he says, "I'm sorry for trying to make you the answer. It isn't fair." So he was try he was he using her as 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 the uh, you know whatever he needed her for. I'm sorry for trying to make you the answer. That w- that wasn't fair, and that just to me that just kind of sums up a lot about. Uh, the the major theme in this thing is what what do you do with with the pain, and that's what I think makes the second season so worthwhile. So yeah. you watch these people in the first season. I said it would have been fine ending, you know, and it was. It was great ending, but through the second season, we finally realize and can recognize growth and a potential for healing. Yep. Yep. Uh, in these characters, Bonnie, who, you know, you just have to hope. Oh, and that let's cut to the the part where James is going to sign his statement. He said, well, what happened to Bonnie? And the cop doesn't care. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I, I feel like we should do something. What? More? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know? And that's, Deep. again, that's, yep. this is a kid who, at the beginning of season one, is, I'm a... I'm pretty sure I'm a psychopath. Yeah. And now he is empathizing for someone who wanted to kill him. Exactly. He, exactly. he has, he has and recognizes and can voice empathy. And, and it, I think it makes him more, uh, believable and convincingly in love. Mm-hmm. In the end. Yeah. 
Yeah, really wonderful. Another another wonderful ending too, and just one of the the lead ups to that ending really um, really got me too. It was kind of a it was another example of how funny this show could be when they're um, oh, yeah. when, when they're getting rid of the ashes, and uh, it's just it's it's really it's it's exemplary of just brilliant black comedy writing. The sound when James's father's ashes hit the ground, it, that it plops be, because it clumps up, and, and she's like, "It's like paste." It's Still him though, um, and then uh, and then she puts into words FOMO like nothing like right away. She's like, "It's shit being dead, isn't it? You you miss everything," and like that that was cool too because you you know a lot of times and Bonnie just tried to do it. You realize, you're thinking, are you know is suicide an option for them? When she went back to the to the house at one point that that um, the professor's house, you know it's. You're wondering because you deal with you, you know you're exposed to so much of their torment. Or do do they think about um, you know that that other way out? And um, yeah, I thought that line uh, was deep. But what 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 another great ending? I mean, these two seasons are remarkable. They really are. I mean, it's it's outstanding television. I've watched I watch a lot of the big shows and all the things you get, I know you do too. You talk about yep. them on this show. Yep. This one has carries an emotional weight. Sure. It's performed well, it's written well, the music we mentioned, everything yeah. about it packaged nicely. The, and the settings, too. The settings feel um, like almost um, Americana or just anywhere, uh, you know, world. I, th- I think the um, I saw the showrunner talking a little bit about how he did choose places because there's a lot of nods to American film and television that did have kind of that... American vibe, whether it's, you know, that, that cafe in the woods or just, you know, it was, it's almost like a road show too. They're out in the open road often and, and desolate lands. And yeah, it's, I mean, I had to bring up setting real quick, even as we're closing down, there's no. so many amazing facets to the show. It, it is great settings uh, throughout. And they, although, you know, the houses don't really look American or whatever, and, no, yep. you know, towns you, don't. you know, you're in England, but um, yeah. What, yeah, when they're driving, it could be anywhere, and I think that helps make it a little more universal for an audience. Yeah, but, um, relatable. Even though they're sitting on the wrong side of the cars or what have you, um, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> you really put a button on it for endings. Please. You know, they're, they're eating because, of course, Alyssa's hungry right at the very mm-hmm. end. She's mm-hmm. always hungry, as yep. James notices early in the first season, yeah. and uh, and then she moves and sits beside him, uh, um, and then the final shot is looking over their shoulders at this majestic landscape mm-hmm. that, like, you would never... I mean, they look like they're in a dusty, like, car park at a food truck uh, sitting at a picnic table, but then you look, and it's this immense view. And that's yeah. that's where we end. It's, yeah. What a great think, show. What a great show. You think there's more coming? I kind of hope not. Yeah. Um, if, if, but if we felt that is, way last time, right? Their time. Yeah, yes. no, but I feel like it's. I really feel like they've completely. It could feel it. more forced. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you could have come to me uh, nine months ago before I knew this was going to second season was going to happen, and mm-hmm. we could have gotten ourselves convinced that there could be more yep. because of the lack of certain kinds of closure, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I have it. I mean, yeah. what is it going to be? We're just going to follow them into you know married life and you know, sure, just, sure. Leave it here. Leave it here. Yeah. Leave, leave it here. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for putting me onto the show. I'm, it's and it's been been tons of fun talking about it. This is this is this is. I think, I think we really highlighted what was really special about the show. Yeah, it's and we could go on, uh, 
but thank you for having me on to talk about it. Of course. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you enjoyed it. I obviously yeah. love it, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun to get a chance to kind of express all of this. Even my wife yeah. didn't watch it with me. She thought it was <laughs> weird, um, and I think if she sat down and watched it, she would change her. Yeah, it's. I mean, it starts weird once once you dig in. So now I'm looking forward to the next time that you um, you you slide in my Twitter DMs and and <laughs> recommend a show, and then we can do this all over again because I'd already love to have you back on. Thanks again, Jonathan. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, and thank you everyone out there for joining the party. This podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com. I like potato one, I mash my potato one, you mash your potato with me. I like potatoes, wanna mash up potatoes, will you mash my potatoes for me? I like potatoes, gonna mash up potatoes, if you don't like my masher then I'll see you later. I like potatoes, won't you mash up potatoes for me? Potatoes, wanna mash up potatoes with me? I like potatoes, wanna mash up potatoes, will you mash my potatoes for me? I like potatoes, gonna mash up potatoes if you don't.
like my masher, then I'll see you later. I like potatoes, won't you mash up potatoes with me? M-A-C-H-P-O-T-A-T-O. -T